Savvy Entrepreneur Show. This show is designed for you entrepreneurs and small business people out there, or those of you who are thinking about becoming one. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I have definitely been down the entrepreneurial path a few times. I can't tell you that they've all been wildly successful. In fact, I've made tons and tons of mistakes. And I've also advised startups and small businesses over the past 30 years. And I've seen lots of mistakes that they've made too. So one of the goals of the show really is to maybe help some of you out there not make some of those dumb mistakes that I've seen my clients make or that I've made myself. The second goal of the show is to inspire. I found being an entrepreneur lonely, confusing, discouraging sometimes. And so I have gifts on my show who are willing to tell their stories and share their advice. So my guest this week is Jill Saltzman. She is the founder of something called Founding Moms. And she's going to talk with me about what Founding Moms is and why it's been so wildly successful. Jill, thanks so much for joining me today. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. I am just so excited to be here. And I'm sorry to interrupt you because you just have the most soothing voice. I just want to keep hearing you talk to me about (laughs) your ride through entrepreneurship. But I am happy to be here. Well, I'm delighted to have you. Um, When I first heard about Founding Moms through another guest of mine, through Maria, you know, she was talking about it. I'm like, wow, that's a cool idea. I need to learn more. And she said, well, I'll introduce you to Jill Saltzman. And here you are. So Jill, talk a little bit about Founding Moms. What is it? And who was it designed to support? Thank you for asking. I have so much to say about it because I launched it back in 2010 and I've been doing it a while. We are a global community uh, for mom entrepreneurs that are looking to build better businesses. So we focus on women who are raising their families, who have a business. We're not so much tailored to the I have a business idea crowd. We uh, work with women who already running it. They have a good sense of what they do for a living, but they need help with their marketing or their branding or getting more sales going. Uh, And we provide a lot in the way of community. So the majority of entrepreneurs that you'll meet, whether they are men, women, or children, will tell you that entrepreneurship is a very lonely road, as you were saying at the beginning of this, Doris. Very lonely. So... We love to provide a community aspect, um, which is, it's interesting because it's really hard to describe how great it feels to work alongside like-minded founders, but it is, it's great. So so how did you decide to create this organization? What was the original kernel of, of you know, that got things started? Yeah, I I did not intend to create it. <laughs> I uh, you're an accidental entrepreneur. Accidental. Like, I mean, I, like I most of us, but that's great. I do feel like a lot of us fall into what we're supposed to do when you hit your head a thousand times against the wall. So <laughs> I, I was, I'm still at the pounding my head against the wall phase. But well, I have I, my my office is covered with rubber walls now. It's, I'm, still, I'm still going, but. Uh, <laughs> 
No, I I was already running a business. I was managing bands for a living. I came from the music industry. So I began to manage bands, had my first child. For a long story we don't have time for, I started a second business selling baby jewelry. And so while I was running these two unrelated businesses, I was pregnant with my second daughter. And I I used to tell the story by saying, you know, I got really curious but I'm just going to say it flat out for what it was. I got freaked out. You know, how am I going to run two businesses with two babies in a tiny home office? How am I going to survive needing to change a diaper while I need to answer the phone? Or well, I need well, to- Wait, Jill. So you're saying you were freaked out. So your idea for solving this is to start another business. You know what? It does sound okay. ridiculous. But no, 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 no. I didn't start a business. What I did was... I went to meetup.com and I posted and said, if you have a business and a baby, can you just come meet with me for coffee? Tell me how you're doing this because I'm going to lose my mind. And frankly, Doris, I thought this was going to be one coffee meeting. Maybe three or four women would show up. I'd get my answers. I'd go home. I'd keep crying and we'd move on. Uh, But that didn't happen. So when I walked into this coffee shop, I will never forget how 15 other women started trickling through the doorway. And as each one entered and said, are you here for this? We, by the way, we were not called the founding mouse at the beginning. We were called mouthful. We were the mompreneur meetup. Uh, (laughs) Don't say it three times fast because it's terrible. So, you know, all of these women, as each one was saying, yes, I'm here for this meeting. Uh, it was just, you know, our jaws were dropping. Like you too, I thought I was the only one. You too, I thought I was the only one. So at the end of that first meeting, we all agreed, you know what, let's do this again next month because this felt so good. Oh, so we met again and then we met again and people started bringing their friends and about six months in is when I had that light bulb moment because a woman who was driving from downtown Chicago to come to our meetings. And frankly, it was all of four miles. She said, I really don't like driving all the way here. Can you open up a second chapter? And I thought, you're extremely lazy, but I might look at (laughs) and I will check out and see if I can. Well, I mean, uh, the reality is, and it's not just Chicago, I think most of us who live in urban areas, it's amazing how you, you know, I used to live in the city and I would joke about my friends who had moved to the suburbs and it was like they fell off the face of the earth. It's like, you're, you live, you live 15 miles or 10 miles from me. Why do I never see you? You're so busy. I never hear from you, but they are very separate worlds. And I think it's a mental thing as much as a distance thing. I mean, I actually wasn't even planning to get into it today, but I will tell you that after running this for over 10 years, it's incredible how you discover in cities literally around the world, parking is a big deal. <laughs> like people won't go if there's no parking. So I didn't know that aspect to entrepreneurship, but I've learned many, many things, Doris. But anyway, I was digressing. I'm so sorry. Yeah, so this no, woman, so anyway, so you were you were meeting with these like, women and more and more. Yes, she she sort of sparked a whole fire inside of me because when I realized, wait, it's the internet, you can put a zip code in to anywhere in the world. I started to do just that. So I put in a zip code to LA, I put in a zip code to New York, and I just started opening up 
meeting after meeting after meeting, wherever I could find a woman who would run these meetings. Uh, and after several years, we were in 30 cities with wow. these women meeting up and people started saying, where's your online platform? And in 2014, I said to them, nobody's doing anything online. What are you talking about? Uh, not yet. <laughs> yeah. So we, we launched an online platform a couple years later and, uh, and here we are. Well, so what does the, what does founding moms offer? I, you know, you can get together for coffee and I guess, um, I guess if you're motivated enough, you can try to start your own meetup group and just get together for coffee. For but sure. I think I get for the sure. sense that founding moms is a little more. Well, you're describing, that. yeah, you're describing what we did once upon a time where I'd show up and just say, okay, go. Uh, and we've come a long way. So so we now have very structured meet, not very structured in the way of, you know, a timer going off or anything. But, you know, we, we structure, uh, the whole organization comes up with themes every single month. Uh, September is a month of sales. October is the month of how to get press for your business. I'm just giving ah. you some examples. So online, we drop a video course every month that's related. We have live events galore. So anytime anybody wants to learn something, we have a number of events going on every month. Uh, at our meetups, which we now call founding exchanges, uh, our leader of each exchange has a, an agenda that she follows where, you know, we discuss the theme of the month. We talk about upcoming events, what we've learned at the last ones. And, you know, it's, it is a place in person to ask your specific personal business questions. You know, this happened to me last month. What does everybody think? Um, but we're we're pretty structured and thematic uh, across the board because we've discovered that entrepreneurs all need the, not only the same kind of help, but lots and lots of reminders. Right. So many reminders. And dis discipline. Reminders that you can break this all down into manageable little bites, put one foot in front of the other, because if yeah. you don't, yeah. you can quickly become overwhelmed. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally and completely. So, Joe, why do you think you decided to do this? I mean, why hmm. did you decide, why were you the right person to not, not only try to come up with a meetup group because i'm sure lots of people you could have just stopped right there um True. but you didn't True. so why were you the driving force do you think what, what was it about your makeup your background that led you to say wow this could be a lot bigger i want to make it something bigger huh. no one's ever asked me that question <laughs> and I'm I'm now doing like extremely quick soul searching. I think <laughs> that I, from the get go, I have always been a launcher, a starter, somebody who uh, does not easily give up. And you know, at the beginning, when you la anybody launches a business, you have that one friend who's going to tell you, "Oh, you're never going to finish what you start." Mm. And I have have been told that many times, but that's never been the case. So, so I, I knew I would see something through once I realized had, even though I had been running two unrelated businesses, this felt bigger than anything I'd ever done. I knew I could 
not so much be a spokesperson, but I knew I could lead these folks because I was trying to do it myself. I know myself to be a go-getter. And I really, really wanted to serve this crowd. I think not only because I needed the answers about how, how do you get better at marketing when you're, you got a screaming two-year-old, but I also uh, was raised by a mother who was desperate to go out and have her own business, but couldn't figure it out. Hmm. So I think I was sort of raised into it and then just, you know, fell into it, but not really, but sort of, but not really. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I'm thinking about my experience. I'm trying to think back to my experience as a mom. In fact, I was a single mom. Uh, trying to start businesses. I did that for a while myself. <laughs> yeah, yep. raise a kid, um, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to think about how I'm trying to put myself back in that space, and um, you know, I'm curious what you think that these women were looking for out of mm-hmm. these meetings. I mean, what you obviously feel a need. What do you think that is? Yes, I do feel a need. I think if you were in my shoes, you would feel that need. And you probably did. I think the majority of women who are starting to raise their families, but know that they would like to keep working, uh, tend not to think about, well, let me think about step one and then step two and then step three. There's no linear chronological planning because you have screaming children. (laughs) You You have immediate needs that need answering. And so that also makes you very good at going with the flow. Right. So I tend to meet a lot of women who are already doing it or they're just figuring out as they go and they they charge through the beginning stages, but there becomes a point where you say, well, well, what am I supposed to do now? So not so much the launch bit, but I meet most women who have done the launching and will then go, all right, it's working. I'm making a little bit of money. I'm making tens and tens of dollars, but I would like to grow and have an actual income or, you know, just, just make it steady income. Right. Uh, And then she, she might be really good at what she's doing. And I'm saying might, because I tend to meet a lot of women who are really good at self-educating. They'll go on YouTube. They'll learn a lot of things. Uh They'll come and join the founding moms. They'll learn a lot of things. But at the end of the day, whether she's coming for, our video courses or our live events or our uh, virtual help program where we help people find virtual assistance. Whatever she shows up for, she always stays for the community because it's really hard to connect with like-minded women who are in the same boat as you. And frankly, this is for any community anywhere. Pick, Pick a flavor, pick a type, pick a race, pick a gender. You know, it's really hard to find people like you doing what you're doing, thinking what you're thinking with the same set of challenges. Right. And so I think we are answering that piece of, do you feel lonely even when you're surrounded by a family and work resources on the internet? It just, you can still feel alone and it's, it's hard. Well, I'm thinking back too. as something sparked, um, my thoughts are sparked by something you said, which is we're really good at being flexible, which is a great characteristic yes. to have as an entrepreneur. But you almost have to be a little bipolar to be a good entrepreneur. <laughs> you know, you need I'm laughing with my bipolar laugh. Yeah. yeah well, you know, 
<laughs> well, you know, you need to be flexible and be able to pivot and, you know, look at things from different directions and think outside the box, be creative. But you need to do a bunch of things that are more project management oriented, you know, putting one foot in front of another. You need to decide, do I need to form a company? Do I need a website? Do I, how do I do yeah. a lot? How do I get money? How much money do I need? You know, a lot of really block and tackle kinds of things that when you're a mom, especially with young kids, holy buckets, I mean, that (laughs) that kind of project management stuff, (laughs) kind of. I could even take it one step further. I want to take it one step further from what you're saying. What I tend to see a lot of is that when those babies are taking up a lot of your brain space and they grow into toddlers and then they're in elementary school, I meet a lot of women who are running their businesses and know what they need to do next, or they know that they need project management or even what that looks like, but they have been so attentive to other people in their families that they lose their sense of self a wee bit. And Uh so they, they start to go, like, I, 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 it's my firm belief that a lot of people know exactly what to do when they're running their businesses, but they're so scared of making the next move because, again, they feel alone. Can I really do that? Is that the right call? I'm not so sure I have the time, the budget, the whatever the thing is they feel they uh, need to buy, do. you know? Exactly. I- and I did a segment on my on my show a couple of weeks ago about the tall poppy syndrome, and it's kind of another variation of the imposter syndrome. Um, Absolutely, and where, it's where we, women are afraid of, they're a little afraid of success. They're you know not sure they can do it. They've not been told all their lives that they're they're good enough to be able to do it. They are maybe afraid of sticking out and attracting what could be some negative attention. And particularly when it comes to parenting, I think there's a lot of pressure to societally to be the kind of provider that uh, we reward the helicopter parents. We don't reward the folks who look, quote unquote, self-involved. So if you're paying attention to your business and you really are going to make progress and bring in more money, there are a lot of women who are embarrassed because then you look like you're not paying attention to your kids or, you know, you're more successful. You must be a B word or you are um, (laughs) really, there are just so many problems that we all subconsciously know are, we bring on ourselves if we thrive that it's um, I feel it's my job to remind our members and it's women's job in general to help one another be reminded that it's okay. So when they join us, that's the community aspect I'm talking about. If she's going, well, I know I need to hire a virtual assistant, but I don't know if I should. And then she sees four or five other women in the community doing it. It helps her go, oh, they're doing it. I can do it too. You know, mm-hmm. just kind of like what we all did in kindergarten, but just yeah. repeat it older. Well, so how much of founding moms at, and maybe how much of the 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 resources of the of the organization or how much value i guess do some of the members get from the the piece of you know hey you can do this kind of thing because i i think there's a whole um 
there's a whole bunch of fairly deep psychological things uh, that we've touched on, uh, and some of those go really deep. And um, you know, you can you can do some cheerleading, but I'm just curious how how Founding Moms takes on some of those issues. I think that the psychological benefits they get from joining any community, not just the founding moms, is really invaluable. It, you can't put a price tag on it. Of course, anybody that joins a community is going to get out of it what she puts into it. So we, of course, have members who will join us, kind of stay on the outskirts, not participate and go, oh, I'm not getting anything out of it. This is not for me. Uh, but that's with anything. So the women who do participate, uh, for example, we have a woman who has taken every single video course we've ever put out loves, loves, loves them, feels better. It makes her psychologically stronger. And she forges ahead and inspires other members to go do because that's how she takes in the inspiration. There are other women who literally will just chat amongst themselves in our forum. Uh, you know, they'll just, they'll post things. They just want the conversation. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know how to answer you in terms of putting a value on it. I mean, we have some members have become multimillionaires because they've sold products to Sephora and Revlon. We have members who are making just enough that they're happy. Yeah. So it, it depends on what you're looking for. Yeah. Well, it, and that sounds easy, but I think being a number of different things to a wide range of people is actually more difficult than yes, it is. Yes, than, it is. And then sure. it sounds. Um, so I, I'm curious how COVID has changed your organization. I, I know you mentioned you grew to 36 cities, which is insanity um, for you even just to manage <laughs> the 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 36 i mean that's i mean you're you're moving into serious franchise territory at that point um not i hope not although to be perfectly frank i was just on a call this week sounding unfortunately quite angry at the pandemic because it (laughs) shut down a lot of our physical locations Um, so we turned virtual for a ton of stuff and i still almost daily get messages from members going, okay, yeah, 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 the virtual is nice, but I miss the in-person. I need the in-person. Yeah. Uh, it's such a need, and it's something I believe in so deeply that we have given it until now to start sort of working our way back into a lot of physical locations. So I think 2023, we're going to see an explosion for us. Uh, and hopefully, wherever you're listening, we're coming to a city near you. But in the meantime, we've sort of we've taken the losses of the pandemic and poured it into how to rework these exchanges so that, uh, as you were just saying, they can make the widest swath of membership happiest, you know, which is hard to do if people have different needs. Yeah, absolutely. Talk about the business model for Founding Moms. Obviously, producing the content and creating a platform and even some of the events, if there's a space fee, I mean, it costs some money to be able to do that. It sure does. I'm excited to tell you for the first three years of running the Founding Moms, we charged zero dollars. What? Because I didn't know what I was doing. And I had just sold the baby jewelry business that I referenced before. So I thought, well, let me figure this out. This really does feel like something good. And then we started charging 10 bucks 
a month. I mean, it's just funny to laugh at now where I thought I was really overcharging once upon a time. So we are at a place now where there's so much value inside. Uh, you can join two different memberships. We have a 55 bucks a month membership or a 65 buck a month membership. They provide you with different levels of things. And if you join us, you get access. Uh, just The list is so long, I don't want to bore you, but you get access to lots of things. You can see it on foundingmoms.com. Uh, we also, uh, the model is based not only on membership, but we also have a lot of sponsorship uh, folks that come through and help us to help our members. Wow, that's great. Well, you you must be an ever-ready bunny, though, because just setting up 36 different groups and finding sponsors, I mean, Jill, how, how do you do it? Do you sleep? Well, I was going to say that until two years ago, I didn't even really have a team. And I think it looks a lot crazier than it feels, because if you are somebody who likes systems like I do, once you create the system to run the thing and it can be easily duplicated, it's it's not that hard. I love automation. I love making systematizing anything wow. uh, and making it really, really efficient yeah. so that I can rinse and repeat. You know. Right. You have made it the uh, a very scalable business, it sounds like. Yeah, I, well that's the that's the hope. That's the goal. So how do you how do these other chapters, if you will, of founding moms work? I mean, what what are you looking for in terms of a group leader for those and mm-hmm. and how does that relationship how is that structured? Yeah, we really were messy once upon a time. If you had raised your hand doors and said, I would love to lead, I would have said, great, welcome. Uh, We've changed it quite a bit. We have a very serious onboarding process now because we want to make sure that our leaders are the right fit. We look for women who love to be social. They love to connect with other women. They are not so much uh, for lack of a better word, know-it-alls in the areas of entrepreneurship. They are more interested in facilitating. They're really good at creating conversation, kind of like a podcast host, you know, really good at asking the right questions because we want to make sure everybody at every exchange feels heard. Mm -hmm. So we look for women who understand uh, intrinsically how important it is to grow a local community because every city's got its own temperature. Every city's got its own um, tweaks and differences from another city. So while I run the national international uh, community online, I'm not going to be able to address the needs of somebody in Austin, Texas, the way I can somebody in any name of London, England. You know, it, it's just slightly different everywhere. Same core needs for every woman I've ever met. Same core needs, but all of the local stuff we can't address without a local leader. Yeah. So. As long as we find somebody who understands that, we do a lot of the training. We will sort of walk her through how to run the exchanges. It's not rocket science. You know, she has to show up. But they're they're not treated like franchises, for example, where... No, I hope to never get there. Yeah, no, that to me that... And I might be wrong because I'm not well-versed in franchises in terms of how they're structured and set up, but it sounds too structured for us. We like... (laughs) to be very, I call it the Starbucks feel. We want you to be able to walk into a meeting with spit up all over your sweatpants, you know, frazzled and 
not uh, the typical women in business meeting where you swap business cards and eat rubber chicken and <laughs> do those things that we've all experienced. I've been to so many of those, and oh, I, I don't even go anymore. I'm just such a, just such a, a nerd. Because they're awful, Doris. Be yeah. honest. They're awful. They're really yeah, so we, I the, the franchise bit, be, it just uh, becomes too rigid. And I, I don't really want that feel ever because once that seeps into the organization, we're done. I'm out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you it's mentioned beautiful. that you're in 36 cities. Are they all in the U.S. or are they some of them outside the U.S.? They currently, uh, due to that beautiful pandemic, uh, we, we're only U.S. based right now. And we're going to spend the next year rolling out in a lot more U.S. cities. We Once upon a time, we were in five locations in Mexico. We had seven locations in Europe. Wow. Uh, but it, it just became not only a lot in terms of just translation alone, but, but when the pandemic hit, it taught us a lot. So it taught us, first of all, we can't do everything physically all the time. And if there's another pandemic, God forbid that ever happens. You know, it, it rocks a lot of folks who are doing things in person, uh, but we really are going to spend the next few years nailing down exactly what we want our exchanges to look like and sound like so that when we go global again, it will be a bit more streamlined. Are most of your members, it sounds like they're they're all across the board, but are the majority of your members in certain industries or a certain age demographic or yes. a type of business service versus yeah. maybe all a, of it they're all over the board. all of it all of it we uh it's interesting I, I still don't know why many years in when folks hear the founding moms they presume that we are all 21 year olds who've just had a baby and we're sitting at a kitchen table coming oh, up with some oh interesting but I, I don't know why folks hear that and assume those things because we are actually much more skewed. Uh, our members are late 30s to early 60s. We have a number of grandmapreneurs. I, we don't really call them that, but uh, we have a lot of women who are older with kids who are older, presumably because she's finding more time to get to her work. Because the kids are uh, how, how ironic that is, yeah. Right, exactly, exactly. And you know, it doesn't mean she didn't start when they were babies, but the more t the time frees up, you know, the more likely you are to invest in a community that can really help you go, go, go. The well, I, I think just to, to interrupt really quickly, mm -hmm. I think women of that demographic, which you know, sort of is kind of me now, you know, I, I think we're maybe more about giving back at that point you know we've been through the battles and made a lot of mistakes and that's just my favorite thing to talk about all day long or everybody's mistakes because no one talks about them enough that's my biggest complaint in entrepreneurship is everybody wants to talk about their success story and how successful they are and i'm going to go off on a tangent you don't want me to go on but but i just can't Stand it because I've been doing this since 2010 and I've made a billion mistakes. So while the organization is now successful, I don't want to tell like a wildly successful story because there's a lot of sweat and tears in there, you know? Yeah. Anyway. 
I, I, I digress. But to finish answering your question, what we are majority service-based entrepreneurs. I believe it's because if you're running a retail establishment, you don't have time to come to our founding exchanges. So <laughs> we tend to attract women who are online anyway. Yeah. Right. We run the gamut in terms of what folks run. We have a lot of consultants, lawyers, accountants, coaches, graphic designers. Uh, we have a woman who runs a construction company, a number of product-based businesses. I don't see a lot of retail. Yeah, I think um, service businesses certainly have a lot in common and it is hard to run a service business I think especially for women because circling back to something we talked about earlier when you're selling services you're selling yourself oh yeah you know you're not selling the world's coolest plant-based meat products you're not selling <laughs> wonderful skincare products that you can kind of hide behind you're front and center with you it's no kidding your clients buy you. I think I love that most of all. And it gives me a lot of hope for how we can affect change with women that we come into contact with, because there is a giant piece to this that's all about self-worth. And I, I do think you can still talk to product-based business owners about that. But I do notice across the board, you were saying earlier, Doris, how women, they don't really like to put themselves forward. Every time we have a press opportunity for our members, very few hands are raised. I so we you. end up naturally talking a lot about uh, self-worth and yeah. how you know, self-care and all of the very uncomfortable phrases that give people the heebie-jeebies but are so important to go over. I, I'll, I'll share once again the story that just made my jaw drop. I was looking for women venture capital partners. I think most people out there who have listened to me or have done much reading will know a very small percentage of venture capital money and, and angel money and, and uh, seed money, all of that institutional money goes to women-owned businesses. Last year was like 2%. I mean, it's kind of pathetic. So anyway, I wanted to find some women venture capitalists to hear their perspective and how they thought, whether they thought that was good or okay, or how that would change it. I, I was referred to a woman who's a partner uh, in a venture capital firm. And um, she was very nice. But you know what she said? when I asked her if she'd appear on the show, she said, well, I'm used to being on panels. She said, I, I don't know if I'd know quite what to do just being the what? only person being interviewed. No. But if you, but if you're interested in putting a panel together, just, you know, keep me in mind, I'd be delighted. And at that point, I don't even know how I said goodbye civilly and hung up the phone. I, it was a blur. I just remember <laughs> it took me about the next five days to pick up my jaw off my desk because how is it that a woman venture capital partner of which there are like three I, I'm exaggerating wildly but there are many they're still a unicorn and instead of being the flag bearer and saying absolutely I want to come on and share she was like well I want to be on a panel I mean what what no. <laughs> I don't think enough women realize that 
it's not about you. If you step outside of yourself and realize that your voice gives voice to other women to exactly. also give their voices. Exactly. I, it, I, I'm saying frustrated. You're preaching to the choir here because I will never understand. And you know what? To her credit, the woman you were talking to, she works in an extremely famously male-dominated industry. Yep. So she has been told repeatedly in one way or another, you're smaller than you are. You are not as... Um, I don't, your voice doesn't need to be heard as much as other people's. So I think that's, there's so much that's internalized that you and I end up watching somebody like that. And while we can get really angry at her, I think that a lot of that isn't truly her fault. I wasn't angry. I was more absolutely dumbfounded. No, I'm angry. I'll be angry for us both. Okay. All right. (laughs) And I will say, I've said this before too, I find getting women founders on the show as guests is more difficult. If I wanted to put on my my show, I could fill up my days. No problem with that. And it would take a lot less work. I can tell you. I've had men come on the show who are, you know, and I don't, I don't want to get too far off in the weeds, but they, I don't want to say they puff themselves up, but when I do a quick, introduction call i mean it sounds like they've got uh, the world by the tail and then you know you you interview them and you really start to probe and they're well they don't really have much yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean but again again society we've spent our lives and i do unfortunately think it starts extremely young where we tell boys all the time how important they are and women girls are supposed to be humble you know we're not smart and strong. We're beautiful. You know, it's just right. sort of, it goes all the way back to the beginnings. And I think we all carry, everybody carries their own baggage and other things along with it. But right. this is where I'm constantly telling folks, folks meaning women, you know, if, as long as you can join a community where you can watch other women do great things, that will push you further than anything else you can do for yourself. Self-educate by yourself in a room doesn't work. You need other people to raise you up. Right. I'm glad you're out there doing it. So, you know, you alluded to this earlier, the multi-million dollar businesses that are selling to Sephora. That tells me that there have been some success stories, maybe a couple of big success stories, maybe some smaller ones. And I would love to hear you share a story or two about how Founding Moms has made a difference with some of your members. I absolutely love the small stories more than the big ones, but I will start with the big one because the small ones, while they're more delicious to me, they're not as interesting because she's just doing fine, you know? But one of our bigger ones, my favorite one, is the woman who's selling in Sephora right now. She showed up in 2012, with sweats. She had just had a baby. She was (laughs) like a mess. She came to the table at one of our um, exchanges out in suburban Illinois. And she started, I happened to be there. She said, you know, I'm coming up with this product that I think is going to help people, you know, do their nails. And we said, okay. And she described it. And I sort of, I guess, boldly said to her in front of everybody, look, if this is a real thing, come to the next meeting with the actual stuff. Don't just talk about it. 
And so, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I gave her such attitude, but that's kind of what makes the story fun. So the next meeting, she showed up and she looked the same disheveled. She had the product in hand, but everybody was sort of like, oh no, this woman again. You know, the whole room, the vibe was, oh, this poor lady. I hope she makes it through, you know, (laughs) six months of her baby. She takes the product out, describes it at the table, then applies the product to her hand and shows us what it can do. And you could hear the jaws dropping onto the table. Like it was unbelievable that she had come up with this chemical substance in her kitchen by herself, burns all over her fingers. So then (laughs) the next week she came and she'd start showing us packaging options. And we sort of all started getting really into it, you know, and then she, she'd come with tube options for this product. And it took her maybe four-ish years of just coming back, tweaking little things here and there until she just started shopping it around to stores. And then stores started buying. She had some influencers who showed off her product to thousands of people. Soon enough, she's getting calls from Vogue and she's flying over to Europe to do interviews. It just went berserk bananas. She's now making a lot of money. And I, I believe, I remember she came up with a company name that was different from the product name. And I remember the table discussion was, well, that's ridiculous. You have one product. But now, of course, she's come up with many inventions, has patented them all, oh, and wow. is doing really well. Because that story, right? It's a wow story that we watched her go from, well, we're judging you all the way to we wish we could be you. That's the fun one. But I love well, it. And it's the what you were talking about earlier. It's putting one foot in front of another not glamorous not sexy totally not glamorous (laughs) but you know mm. and it's so it's so wasted the success is so wasted on the folks that work the hardest because the most successful folks do work the hardest and by the time the success comes in and the money comes in you're busy you know you're you're continuing to make it happen it's a different kind of joy than i think people imagine when they start yep 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 a lot of my favorite stories are you know two members from across the country meet one another and they'll sell a product together you know we had one we have a woman who's a sex educator for parents she teaches parents how to talk to their kids about sex and there was a woman across the country who sells teen deodorant so they got together and started selling these baskets or some some kind of combo product where you could buy the deodorant and learn how to talk. It was a very neat, I think it was her book. I don't remember exactly, but to me, the, the connection was such a success. I love that. And they both put more money in their pockets, you know. Wow. Um, so there's yeah. a way to actually connect if you want to is I didn't realize this, but it sounds like Founding Moms kind of has a membership directory where like if you're we sure do. I don't I know, do. you're you're interested in plant based meat, you can search the database and yes, absolutely. I forget to mention things because they're so natural to a community. Of course we have a directory and of course you're gonna come in and find folks that are doing like things and maybe be inspired to work with them or to barter or to hire them, you know? Yeah. Cause yeah. I'm sure a lot of these people, as you said, they're service providers. How much of that occurs as a, a result of founding moms where members provide services to each other? Because obviously every entrepreneur needs a certain amount of services. Yeah. 
I think at a certain point, we're going to offer a marketplace for that. But in the meantime, I can't really answer you because a lot of our members go off and do their own things together. Right, right. And I don't hear about it. Well, um, I could but, imagine that some accountant saying, hey, I can help you with your tax right, records or I can, yeah. a lawyer says I can help you put together, you know, the document oh, yeah. for your company. A lot of our graphic designers get hired. A lot of accountants get hired. Yes, exactly. Precisely. Yeah. A lot of the service pro- providers in there need each other. You've been at this a while. You have seen oh. a lot of businesses be members of your exchanges throughout the years. Oh, yeah. What are some of the most common mistakes you've seen entrepreneurs make, women entrepreneurs, you know, mom entrepreneurs make? Oh, I, I mean, do you have five hours? Because the list is long. <laughs> it is very oh, Well, long. maybe the top three, Jill. <laughs> Let's go with that. Thank you for limiting me. That's good. You know, there is just speaking to that piece about women are too humble. And my favorite, I forgot who said the quote, I believe it was the Israeli prime minister who said, don't be so humble. You're not that great. Uh, I feel like telling everybody that all the time because because of the humility piece, women do not get into their calls to action or their marketing messaging in the right way. They sort of stay humble. Well, maybe you'd like this. I, I think you might. You know, and there's oh, a I'm guilty, guilty. Yeah, guilty. a lot of like, well, I, I, I hope you like it, and right. it's um. But hey, you know, I, you know maybe I give me a call. call sometime, or you know, uh, well, yeah, if, if you want, if you if you don't, don't, don't worry you know. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, <laughs> you know, there's also like the message, and this is not one of my top mistakes, but you know, how many times a week you include the word sorry in your emails uh. that. You should stop immediately if you're one of those people. So there's a lot of boldness and bravery that I wish into a lot of our members that feels very uncomfortable. It's not that I don't understand that they don't want to sound like, you know, they're bossy or they're obnoxious or whatever words they have assigned to those actions that is actually just all made up in their heads. But that's a big one that I see. Um, I also see a lot of, and you've seen this too, a lot of big expenses going on to hire $2,000 service provider, the $50,000 web design team to pay for paid ads on Google that you don't need yet. There's a lot of, well, I saw that person paying for it, so I probably need it, or they're doing really well, Um, so I should use whoever they used. And there's a lot of falsehoods in there, just like you described the guys who come on your show and are puffing it up and there's nothing there. These women think that that's what they're supposed to do. And it's not. Uh. That's my second one. And I want to say my third one, I'm just going to go with it because you already said it. The one where women don't speak up enough. They don't go and get press for their businesses. They don't ask for interviews. They don't speak on other people's podcasts because I'll give you the most common response because, oh, I'm not ready yet. It's coming. And I just want to make it clear to anybody listening right now, no one in entrepreneurship ever knows what they're doing, ever. <laughs> right. It's only how you package your uncertainty. That's, that's exactly. my thing. Some exactly. people are like, it's going great. And other people are like, oh. Jeff Bezos doesn't know what he's doing. Bill Gates doesn't know what he's doing. They might know a little bit better than us. But, you know, I believe even the top dogs making the most money in the world also don't know exactly what they're doing at all times because you can't. It's just 
the way of running a business. So I want for there to be more leaders in the world who are women, who can speak up for themselves in a way that they don't feel like they are bossy, obnoxious, pushy saleswomen, but are instead really strong examples for the young girls that we're all raising and for the young boys to see that it's not something to put down when she's older. I agree with you. I have seen this to be consistently an issue. We've already talked about that. Do you think it's more related to the imposter syndrome of, well, I'm not quite good enough for that yet? Or is it the tall poppy syndrome? I'm a little afraid that people might think I'm bragging too much and, you know, and they're going to cut me down. I'm just going to cut that off and nip that in the bud. It's a very legal answer on this one, but it depends because I actually think it's it's both. I think it's way complicated inside of her big brain. And I think she's telling herself a million different messages she learned in a lot of different places that she's not good enough, that she's not ready yet, that she's in a year she'll be there. All of it is a pile of excuses packaged into a very humble, kind and quiet brain. She's supposed to put her head down and work hard and eventually the money will come. And in 2022, that's not the way the internet or the world works. Yeah. You know, you need a voice for yourself. And I like to make sure people know you don't need it for yourself. You need a voice for yourself because you need to give voice to other people. And if that's your kids, if that's other women in the community, if that's men who need to learn that that's a good thing for a variety of reasons, pick your favorite. I don't care do whatever you need to do. But the stronger your voice, the stronger our voices, the more money we're going to get paid. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I was going to ask you next, what's the most enjoyable part for you about working with founding moms? And my answer is always connection, connecting people. That's my favorite. You know, if I could connect you with a pile of women to have on your podcast, I'd love to. Okay. If I could Perfect deal. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, hey, I'm a ready-made tee-up for a lot of your members. Oh, I love that. I love, although I do also, I mean, you can hear me getting off of my 12 high horses. You know, I love <laughs> to go and do a lot of public speaking on exactly this stuff. Because again, I believe the world needs a lot of reminders and I'm here to remind them. <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, if people, um, you know, if you're interested in starting a group um, supporting women entrepreneurs of any kind, because I think there's room for probably for lots out there. Oh, lots. What what advice would you give them? Oh, I would absolutely. There's my connection answer again. Go connect with folks doing it. Go connect with actually go join other communities and see how people are doing it. Because while you might not know of very many, there are an awful lot of them existing online right now. So you can go and explore different ones, see what's your flavor, what tone you like, how you like the way other people run things to then be informed about how to do it. I'm very uh, experiential in the way that I learn. So that's my recommendation to you. You can't really read up on these things. I think that's, that's great advice. Jill, where do you see Founding Moms? If you would wake up three years from today, what would Founding Moms look like if you're successful? I love the question. Thank you. I I would love for us 
<laughs> to be the the mom entrepreneur version of AA, frankly. I would love to be, <laughs> you know, five mile radius of every mom entrepreneur's home so she can roll out of bed, roll into a meeting, get the help she needs and go home that week and make more money. Yeah. That's what I would love. Phenomenal. Last question for you. If someone's interested in learning more about Finding Moms, and I hope there are lots of listeners out there who are, what should they do? Where should they go? I would love for them to come and check out our site at foundingmoms.com. And if you have any questions about it ever at all, there's a chat box right on our homepage. You can email me. I'm jill at foundingmoms.com. Or find me anywhere on the socials. I'm everywhere because I'd love to meet you. And I'd love for you to come meet these amazing women doing amazing things who are all as humble as you are. I would encourage listeners to sign up for your newsletter. I saw on there a number of very entertaining articles and um, I'm going to sign up for the newsletter. So I encourage those of you out there to do the same. And that's right on foundingmoms.com. Just go right to that homepage. You'll those are right cute there. little blogs, by the way. Those are clever. Thank you. Do you, Thank you. Do you write all those yourself? Yeah, almost all of them, but no, not every single one. I won't take all the credit they're, anymore. They're, <laughs> they're super. They're super cute, clever with cute little graphics. Yeah. They're really. I do. I do. However, write the actual newsletter that goes out. That's all me. Ah. So okay. To your inbox is written by yours truly. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Jill, thank you so much for sharing a little of your time today and talking about the founding moms and all the wonderful resources. I appreciate it. You ask the best questions. This has been a lot of fun. Well, thank you. And, um, you know, let's let's talk offline about ways to uh, collaborate, you know, because I think I suspect there are tons of founding mom members who would be phenomenal guests on the show. And I uh, I would love to feature them, shine a little spotlight that they maybe wouldn't get otherwise. And, um, you know, so I, I look forward to staying in touch and thanks again. I so appreciate you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yes. Thanks to all my listeners. You're the reason I do this. Check out my new YouTube site where I have all sorts of past episodes of the show. You can download them and watch them, like them, comment them on them, uh, subscribe to make sure you get the the latest episode. In there, you are going to find an enormous, wonderful uh set of resources because I can tell you after having done this now for several years it is chock-a-block full of phenomenal people sharing their advice and their stories from their heart and so um, go there for inspiration go there just to enjoy the stories and um, like I said like like them comment on them subscribe so you'll make sure you don't miss the next episode and that's called the savvy entrepreneur radio show be sure to join me again next saturday at 11 a.m central time that's noon eastern time and until then i'm doris nagel wishing you happy entrepreneuring 